Well, welcome to uh, Why Did You Read That? Question mark. Hello. Starring Megan. Yes, starring me. And co-starring me, Peter. <laughs> um, do you have a joke for me? I do have a joke. Uh, why don't we see elephants hiding in trees? Gotta be the trunk. Something with the trunk. No. Because okay. they're so good at it. <laughs> this is getting into, like, David Lynch absurd. <laughs> Come on, that's a good one. I kind of like it. <laughs> Especially because it, it sent me down the trunk road, mm-hmm. you know, which seems like the obvious Laffy yeah, Taffy road. And then... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Well, today we've got a uh, a new episode. Yes, we do. We're uh, a little late. We apologize. Yeah, a little late. It's my fault. It's both of our faults. I was on vacation, and then you were on vacation directly after. Yep. Yeah, we kind of both take time off during uh, our people's holiday, which is Halloween. That's correct. Which is, I guess, weirdos. <laughs> but um, yeah, watched a lot of horror movies. Yep, yep. I read some horror, some of which I'm excited to talk about today. All right. Um, so today we're going to have a normal episode, an unthemed episode. Normal in quotations. Yeah, as normal normal as as this gets. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, in the past we've done some themes. Next month, we have a very exciting countdown, top 10 reads of 2020. 2021, Peter. Oh, yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the future. Oh, boy. It's a good thing I don't write checks. (laughs) Um, 1997-ish? Um, we're going to have a countdown of top 10 reads. So it won't necessarily be stuff that was published in 2021. Right. Because uh, that would be pushing pushing the limit. I'd basically have to just count down everything I read in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, I guess this is my top 10. You read more whatever. than 10 books. But worry. not published in 2021. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. No, I've got I've got a good amount to do that I read in 2021 okay. that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah. Although I'm kind of I might end up burning one of them today. Oh. So. Well, and I guess that's a question. Can we repeat titles that we've already discussed? I think so. Okay. I think so because it'll be you know just kind of a brief, yeah, especially if it's one quick. we discussed. If we're going over 20 books. Yeah, we'll have to keep it pretty crispy. Have to keep moving. Um, but today is just going to be the normal format. I bring four books. Yep. You pick two that you want to hear about. Uh-huh. You bring four books. I pick two I want to hear about. I have four. All right. Um, I can't remember who went first. I can never remember who went first. <sighs> we need we like a up? magnet like you have for the dish dishwasher that's like clean, dirty. And it's oh, like yeah. Megan, Peter, who went first. Yeah, but where do we keep it? We don't have a dishwasher to put it on. Okay, we need to make that the album art for the show, and then we flip it every time. Let's see. I'm All right, it looks like I went first. Oh, okay. So now it's your turn. All right, so I'll read you my four. Okay. And then uh, you can pick one, and we'll go from there. All right, I'm ready. Okay, I have a theme that I think you'll be able to figure out pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, book one is Clowns vs. Spiders by Jeff Strand. Okay. Um, this is kind of a horror book. That's, you're, you're kidding. Yeah. And it's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> scary clowns versus scary spiders. As, as on the label. Pretty great. Uh, the next one is a book of short stories called Hark the Herald Angels Scream. 
I believe I'm familiar with this one. And specifically, I want to talk about a Jeff Strand story called Good Deeds. Okay. Uh, which is a hilarious Christmas slash horror story. Okay. The next one is called The Greatest Zombie Movie Ever by Jeff Strand. And uh, it's about a group of teenagers trying to make the greatest zombie movie ever. Are which... you having a Jeff Strand love affair? Yes. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, I only had three. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just have to throw a fourth in there. And I was trying to figure out what to do, and I just picked something. Okay. Um, and <laughs> so the fourth is... Uh, uh, I can't remember the title. Uh-oh. I remember every word except for one, and it's the most important one. Hit me. The what, Something what of Sound by Chuck Palahniuk. What is it? The Something of Sound. It's his last novel. The My. Audacity of Sound. The Legacy of Sound. The Prodigy of Sound. The Invention of Sound? The Invention of Sound. You're welcome. By Chuck Powell. See what happens when a person brings a laptop so they can look things <laughs> up instead of just a sheet of paper they don't put anything on? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> not to name and shame. Yeah, not to say that a laptop is better than, you know, a, a sheet of paper sheet of that paper. doesn't have the correct information. This isn't blank, <laughs> but it didn't have the information I needed. Oh, wow. <laughs> Might as well be blank. So anyway... <laughs> Those are my four choices. Three Jeff Strand things and a not Jeff Strand. All right. Well, I think I cannot not choose Clowns versus Spiders. I agree. It would be a mistake it to skip mistake. that. It would be a mistake. It would be an uh, it would be an error. So, Clowns versus Spiders, um I'll give you the brief setup. Please. There's a group of clowns and they are genuine, like, circus clowns. They love being clowns. They're not scary clowns. They're ha-ha They clowns. are not scary clowns. Okay. And, uh, uh, you know, work for a circus for a long, long time. But then, you know, get sort of... Uh, the circus closes or they lose their circus jobs or something because over the last decade, somehow people have become very afraid of clowns. Mm. I'm not here to suggest that clowns are not scary, I just sort of, I find it funny because it's like, there are like two or three scary clowns in culture. There's mm -hmm. like Pennywise. Yeah. There's like a episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, I guess, with a scary clown. You are forgetting my, uh, the clown of my own nightmares. The poltergeist clown. Oh, there was the poltergeist clown. Yeah. At some point, we did a total 180 on clowns. Yeah. And I think that's so weird because I'm like, I mean, there's maybe five clowns in culture that are scary and like a billion clowns that weren't scary, well, they but whatever. Well, they weren't to be scary, but they have those unnatural grins that just don't go away. They do have a creepy vibe to them. They do. So anyway, they find themselves in the modern day when clowns are scary, and so they lose their circus job, and the only job they can find, because it's a group of like four or five clowns... And they want to, like, stick together. Sure. They're like circus family. Sure. So they uh, find a job working at, like, a haunted house mm. in the scary clown room. So <laughs> <laughs> so they all get a job and they, they get sort of mentorship from a guy who's not a legit clown. He's a scary clown. <laughs> and so he kind of joins their team. Meanwhile, across town, uh, there's a mine... 
that is being like explored because basically it's an abandoned mine shaft and there might be a cave underneath or whatever. They're not really sure. Um, it's all explained from the contractor's POV. And he's like, there's this super rich guy in town who just does things on a lark. And he's probably going to have us open this cave up and be like, okay, by then I'll forget about it and not be interested in opening an attraction here. Eccentric millionaire. Exactly. Exactly. So he, um, they open up the mine and what emerges is giant uh, venomous spiders. Have you seen Eight-Legged Freaks? No. This sounds very much like Eight-Legged Freaks to me. They aren't that giant. Okay. They're like, I don't know, sewer lid size. That's pretty giant. They're big. I mean, granted, not as giant as Eight-Legged Freaks, but that's still something I would run from. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, horrifying little spiders. Terrible. And there's like a billion of them. They just come pouring out, attack everyone. So, you know, it, it begins in the haunted house and the spiders get in the haunted house and then the clowns are sort of trying to escape and help other people escape. But, you know, their attempts to help other people escape are not meant with, uh, you know, oh, thank goodness you're right. here, clown. Because they're all dressed like murderous clowns. First I get attacked by spiders. Now I'm being attacked by clowns. <laughs> yeah. And so I ran from the spider into the arms of a helpful murderous clown. <laughs> so anyway, from there, it kind of plays out like a creature feature. Okay. You know, they do... Uh, they kind of try to escape the, the spiders. They try and defeat the spiders in various ways, you know. And uh, it's, it's a very, like, funny story. Mm-hmm. It's a comedic horror movie okay. or horror novel. It's very in the vein of, like, a Shaun of the Dead or something. Where it's like, the spiders are a legit threat and the spiders aren't funny in any way. Right. But the way the whole situation is presented is very funny. And, uh... It's good stuff. Yeah, it sounds sounds good. Um, I I ended up stumbling across this because so I have this tradition with my brother of I send him weird clown stuff um, that I've come across. I found this like creepy clown tape dispenser, you know, and stuff like that. So, and one time I got him this book, and it's a book of um, the clown registry. So apparently, the way that clowns copyrighted their makeup their look was there was this museum in the uk where they would paint the clowns makeup on eggs and then the eggs would all be on display and so that was how they kept track of who had what makeup and that kind of thing and each clown has a little bio and all that stuff see i was 100 percent with you until the eggs i know i'm like why not either just use like a mask or draw it on paper i guess here's what they said they said that it's because the rounded shape of the egg better displays the makeup. I don't really buy that. I think it's because they're clowns and they just wanted to do it some way that's weird. <laughs> because, I mean, yeah, I would just say, like, well, we're clowns. Mm-hmm. So why would we do something in a normal way when we could do it in a clowny way? But anyway, it's pretty hilarious and entertaining. And there are some creepy looking clowns. I'm there. shocked to hear it. It's. It just seems like some of them, the way they did their makeup, I was like, nobody ever told you this was weird. Like, nobody thought this was creepy. No one told you. Do you think there's a part of them that knows? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what it is with clowns. I don't, I don't have access to a clown. 
I just I mean, consider yourself, you know, lucky. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, but anyway, the story's funny too cuz like they try and use their clown skills to clown uh skills. Yeah. <laughs> to like defeat the spiders, but Did also they jam a bunch of spiders into a tiny car. Uh no, but a bunch of them end up in one car <laughs> to try and make a getaway. And then uh, you know, they have to form like a human pyramid in order to reach a thing and stuff like that. Okay. It's not overdone, it's not too much, but it's just enough. Alright. And then uh, you know, while they're working in the haunted house, they're trying to use their clown skills like juggling fake severed heads and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one clown named Reginald who's like his clown thing is that he's like a very proper clown or whatever. So he's like really struggling with like <laughs> being a creepy weirdo. Right. And the other clown is trying to like coach him to scream or make gross noises or whatever. And he just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, highly entertaining. Um, it sounds like it would make a good movie. I think it would make a fantastic movie. Um, it definitely, it's like a shutter original or a, Hulu, Huluween, or whatever. If you guys are looking for a story to adapt, this is gold. Yeah, all of those uh, Hollywood execs who listen to us. Yeah, yeah. Take for note. ideas. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just seems like every book's been optioned for a movie, yeah. and I'm like, why not option one that would actually be pretty good? Yeah. They're, I mean, the, the books that are being optioned are also good. Yeah. But this sounds like a unique kind of story. I have to ask you a quick question about, um, so Halloween 2018, yes. the movie, was made into a novel. And <laughs> I, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I, and it's got, like, actually pretty good reviews, but I'm very confused about, I guess I thought that was over. The days of, like, take a movie. Novelizations. Novelize it, and then. I don't think it is. I guess not. And I think there, I feel, I wish I could remember what it was, but I feel like I heard about another novelization recently that was getting, oh, it was the Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ghostbusters, they just released the novelization because apparently it's really good. Of the new one? Or no, the... of the old one. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they re-released it because yes. apparently it's beloved. People think it's great. I have this on my Kindle waiting for me. <laughs> so I'm very curious to see if it's a... Uh... You know, I, I got one one time. It was for, okay, it was for the Howard the Duck movie Ugh. novelization. And suppo a bunch Only of people you. were like, the novel is amazing. It's hilarious, whatever. And I was like, all right, I'll 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 bite. Mistake. <laughs> it's not amazing. <laughs> I, was, I, I wish you could see under my mask in my shock face. <laughs> well, that's the worst part is because, like, you buy this thing, you take it home, and you're like, this is going to be a hidden gem, and it's not a hidden gem. Yeah. And then every time you tell someone, they're like, did you really think the Howard the Duck novelization was going to be a hidden gem? And I'm like, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> like you're an elementary school kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you did wrong. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so anyway, that's a brief look at Clowns yeah. vs. Spiders by <laughs> Jeff Strand. Yeah. Um, the cover is also horrifying. Okay. It's like a scary-looking clown inside of a web of... Sp a spider web, basically. Two terrifying things are more terrifying together. Yeah. Although, all in this case, maybe less terrifying together. Yeah, if you liked Killer Clowns from Outer Space, mm. this is your jam. Classic. Yeah. <laughs>
All right. All right. You ready for my four? I am. All right. First off, I've got a graphic novel called Star Pig by Delilah <laughs> S. Dawson. Okay. Which is uh, about teenagers who are going to space camp in the late 21st century, and space camp is in space. And there's a big accident, and one of them ends up being saved by a giant space tardigrade. Okay. okay. I've seen the art for this somewhere. Yeah. Okay. The second is World of Wonders by Amy Nezukumatatil. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I looked it up. If I'm, I'm quite possible I got it wrong. This was on the New York Times bestseller list for quite some time, so I think a lot of people have heard of it. It's like uh, essays about like meditations on things in nature combined with memoir. And okay. there's some pretty artwork in it as well. All right. Then I'm doing a comfort reread of A Boy Meets Girl by Meg Cabot, who wrote The Princess Diaries. So this is like 2004 rom-com. Then we've got The Tubman Command by Elizabeth Cobbs, which is about uh, the time that Harriet Tubman led a group of scouts into a military action behind the front lines in the Civil War. Is this a nonfiction? It is fiction, but it is written by a historian. Oh, okay. Hmm. I mean, I like space stuff, Mm -hmm. but I think first I want to hear about Boy Meets Girl because I feel like that's the biggest U-turn from the last book we talked about. So, (laughs) comfort, you know, like romance. Yeah. Give people some whiplash. All right. Uh, well, like I said, it was originally published in 2004, which was kind of the height of the chiclet craze, yeah. you know, the Bridget Jones era of okay. of chiclet novels. When, like, all the rom-coms moved from movies to books, it yeah. seemed like, for yeah. a minute there. And I feel like we're we're starting to see that again. I think so, too. Yeah, we're having a resurgence of that, so it felt like the right time to maybe revisit this one. Meg Cabot is still publishing this kind of book, um, but this one, I don't know. There are things about it that make it special for me. <laughs> so, um, it, and obviously, Meg Cabot wrote The Princess Diaries. So, this was one of her first adult novels that she published under her own name. She'd written a series of romance novels as, I think, Patricia Cabot. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, but this, she had started publishing now under her. She was a big enough draw that I think they were like, let's use your name. <laughs> uh, so, the entirety of the book is told like through what we call epistolary fashion. Mm -hmm. So it's all emails, uh, instant messages, written notes, memos, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The entire book, Um, which makes it a really fast read. And also like, like everyone else, I think I'm having a little bit of a focus issue these days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So having these like little bite sized funny snippets, make it easy for my brain to focus. Okay. So that's part of why I'm reading it now. I think it's, Easily digestible. Right. For my poor, my poor beleaguered brain. <laughs> You're just like sitting in a waiting room somewhere. You've got an un- unknown amount of time. Mm. Somewhere between 8 and 10,000 minutes. Of <laughs> 5, well, million, six hundred minutes. Even when I'm at home and I'm completely undistracted, I just can't focus on things. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. So this is, this is something that I can focus on because it's changing up so often. It's like three pages of emails followed by a couple pages of an instant message conversation. So it like keeps my interest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the story is Kate is our main character. She has been dating the same guy since high school. He's in a band. She went to school to become a social worker. Okay. And then they both moved to New York so that he could make it big. And she could be a social worker. 
he is working on making it big while relying on her to clean everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she burned out on being a social worker because it felt kind of hopeless. So they've <laughs> broken up because she doesn't see their relationship going anywhere. And she quit being a social worker and took a job at her friend, like where her friend works as an HR rep. Okay. Kind of a change. Yeah. <laughs> so she, her boss, they call the TOD, Tyrannical Office Despot, <laughs> which <laughs> okay. gives you, I think, a sense of the sense of humor of this book. And um, the Tyrannical Office Despot is dating the head legal counsel for this newspaper where they work. And they have a, a dessert cart in the lunchroom. And the dessert lady, everybody loves her. Desserts are amazing. She's charming. She refuses to serve pie to this lawyer. And she could, the only thing she will say is he knows why. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the tyrannical office despot orders Kate to fire the dessert cart lady, Ida Lopez. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't want to do it. Because of this pie issue? Because of the pie issue. Okay. Yes. <laughs> So there's a whole like transcript of the meeting they have where she fires Ida and she bursts into tears. Like when she tells her she has to leave the, the lovely dessert cart lady is like, I understand it's not your fault here. You need a good man. Let me give you my, my special <laughs> recipe for chocolate chip cookies and anyone will fall for you. And, you know, patting her on the back while she's just ugly sobbing. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. Okay. And then, uh, so after she leaves, they get notice that the union is suing the company for wrongful termination. Oh, no. So Kate has to, you know, meet with lawyers and be involved in the defense of the company for this firing. Where she meets the lawyer representing the company, who happens to be Stuart, the, the he-knows-why lawyer, his uh -huh. brother. Okay. So she's expecting him to be just as much of a stuffed shirt kind of awful guy. He turns out to be younger. He's cute. He wears a Rocky and Bullwinkle tie. <laughs> it turns out he used to work in like pro bono work, like helping people who needed help. But he stepped into the family firm while his dad was recovering from heart something. Okay. So these two kind of hit it off and it becomes like a flirtation and a rom-com. Gotcha. Yeah. Really light, really funny. I laugh out loud on the regular. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. It's great. I really like it. She has a whole series of these boy meets girl, boy next door, and they're all kind of this very light, very fluffy, you know, you read it, enjoy it, and it's not going to like leave a bad taste in your mouth. Um, has this one ever been made into a movie? Not to my knowledge. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think Interesting. I could make a good one. Although half of the charm is in the, you know, the emails the and the instant messages and... I always like when a book does something that doesn't really translate to film. Yeah. Because I'm like, take that film. <laughs> yeah. Make this work. <laughs> Do you think uh, this would... Okay, I had this idea for a very unpopular library initiative. Okay. Which is that, um, you know, the library would basically do a hostile takeover of public utilities and turn off the internet and cell service Ooh. for like three hours every Friday evening. I think we would get pilloried. I think so too. <laughs> but I, might, I was like, I might partake in the pillorying. I, I need my internet. But maybe people would read more because <laughs> they'd be like, well, what are we? I was, I've been watching like some older horror movies uh -huh. and everybody in older horror movies goes to bed and opens a book. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? They're sitting there reading a book. And it's, if it's a couple, they're both reading different books. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that does not happen. It makes me think of the scene in When Harry Met Sally, where he's talking about how he reads the last page of books first in case he dies. Yeah. And they show him reading, I think it's Misery. <laughs> he flips it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I feel like people used to, like, read more yeah, and talk about books a little bit more. Yeah. And maybe by making that the most convenient form of entertainment. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel like people might dig their heels in. They might. Maybe if you give them the opportunity to bank those hours in advance. Like, if you've read three hours this week, you get your internet. Oh, okay. So turn it from, like, a thing into a threat yeah from from a a carrot into a whip or vice versa the town that dreaded sundown on friday because the power (laughs) goes or the internet goes away yeah (laughs) and people can only read i don't think they would though i guess this is kind of how like the purge starts right yeah because then it's like oh it was kind of convenient when i could call like emergency services (laughs) (laughs) true hmm this could be a this could be a heist plot it's like this is a town that turns off the internet and cell service. We have a three hour every window Sunday. To get into the bank. Yeah. Yeah, and no one can call anyone. Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> bad idea. Well intentioned bad idea. Well, you know, it's it's a brainstorm. We don't use an umbrella in a brainstorm. <laughs> Anyway, Boy Meets Girl, that sounds pretty good. I really like it. I'm I'm a big fan of Meg Cabot in general, and I feel like some of her early stuff is really, really gold. I like, too, sometimes when a book is like, I don't know, it's just entertaining. Yeah. You're like, I just enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, we've had enough drama in the world yeah. the last two years. Like, sometimes all I want is, like, a feel-good book that's just going to be fun, and that's all. Yeah, sometimes I feel like books have become this, like, realm of homework. Yeah. You know, it's like, if I'm going to improve myself by tidying, I'll go to a book, or if I'm going to just be a better person in some way that's like the realm of books yeah and it can't be just for fun anymore and yeah i think that's a a shame yeah and there's uh, there's a, a group of people a school of thought maybe that looks down on people who read the fluffy stuff yeah and i violently disagree with that me too yeah as someone who reads something that's also fluffy in a completely different way right <laughs> i totally agree <laughs> yeah Reading is is a hobby, and it doesn't always have to be. You don't have to read about like poverty in India, you right? Know, to get the benefits of reading, right? Yeah, it's like if you uh, if you do like knitting or something. It's like, yeah, I mean, you could like knit sweaters for preemie babies in the hospital or something, but you could also knit something goofy sometimes yeah. just for fun. A toilet paper roll cover. Yeah, just just cause. Yeah, it's not like you have to spend your life being like, well, I can only read one book exactly. ever. People so can better pick multitudes. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right. All right. So I am going to um, choose the invention of sound because I know how much you love to talk about your buddy Chuck. My friend Chuck. <laughs> Chucky P. Your good pal. He is my good pal. Yeah, he, uh, his latest thing is he's started a Substack which is like a subscription newsletter. And so his newest novel is being serialized on there. Hmm. So it's kind of a, a weird new thing. I don't know how I feel about it yet. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, I've been getting the emails, pasting them into a Word document, and then printing them out because yeah. that's how I prefer to read. Did you know that you can send Word documents to your Kindle like or your Kindle app? Yes. 
could do that. I could do that. But I'm kind of like, I read part of it, and now I'm waiting for it to finish. Yeah. But anyway, the invention, of his, uh, the invention of sound, yes. the audacity of sound, <laughs> whatever of sound. <laughs> the book that shall not be named. Yeah. Um, is his last novel that Last is in most recent. Yeah, that is his most died. recent. Yep. No, he's, he's still alive. <laughs> he uh, apparently, during the pandemic, he built a castle <laughs> out of stone and concrete. Like a... a- Castle-sized castle? Uh, like a six-room castle? That you can live in. You could be in it, yeah. I don't wow. know if it has, like, a bathroom and sure. all that stuff, but, yeah, it's well, a little a castle. castles didn't. He had a Halloween party there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> With uh, some lady playing scary violin music in the woods <laughs> around the castle. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Sound very, the most Chuck Palahniuk thing to ever Chuck Palahniuk. <laughs> so, anyway... um. The invention of sound is uh, follows a few different characters. The primary characters are... Uh, it it's mostly follows this guy who uh, lost his daughter at a very young age. Like, he doesn't know she got kidnapped or went missing and hasn't been able to find her. Um, and so part of his job is he looks through... Um, Images and videos that have been made of people that are of an adult nature where they suspect that the people may have been human trafficked. Mm. And so he's doing this for his job, but he's also kind of also looking for his daughter. That sounds horrible. It's pretty dark. And then uh, there's this uh, Foley artist who's kind of one of the other stars of the book. By Foley artists for people who are unfamiliar. Someone who makes sounds and sound effects and stuff for movies and TV. Right. Um, And, you know, she has a recording studio where she does this and, like, records a bunch of different sounds. And she kind of inherited this business from somebody else. Okay. So, uh, what brings the two characters together is at some point, the father character is watching something and hears a scream in a horror movie that he is 100% convinced is his daughter. And he can just tell because he remembers what she sounds like. And, you know, at some point she had screamed and it sounded just like this. So then he kind of gets connected to the person doing the Foley art based on that, you know, because it's an older movie at this point because his daughter's been missing for like 15 years or something like that. And, you know, there's a lot of sequences where it's like, this would be a tough read. I think for parents. Yeah, it sounds um, like it. I think it probably addresses a lot of a parent's worst fears. Yeah. And it kind of keeps drilling down into how terrible it is, you know, because he's like, every year we we have to go to somebody to update, you know, the what she would look like now, yeah. picture and stuff like that. And um, So this is a read with caution book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say any of his, well, most of his books are kind of a, uh, if you're a sensitive soul, probably not going to be your jam. Okay. Um, but it's very fast paced. It's, uh, it's kind of like some of his other books. It seems like he writes each chapter almost as its own short story. Like it'll have its own mechanics and its own devices and things going on in each chapter. So it makes it like super interesting because you're following the plot. But then you're also sort of learning the device and learning how this chapter is being explored. 
each time. So it kind of gives you like two different layers of exploration in each chapter. Um, so it goes, it goes to some pretty dark places and the story expands to be a much, uh, broader sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It get you know, it's like, uh, I don't want to be like society or whatever. It's not quite that bad, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it goes to a different place, I guess. Okay. And, uh, it's just a quick read. It's an interesting read because you kind of, you know, with most of his books, you learn stuff about like how sounds are made and then also how missing people searches are done and stuff like that. And then, uh, but you also get like this very human element that kind of builds and builds. And I think that's the tension of this book builds over time because of that human, human side of things. Mm-hmm. So it kind of subtly builds to the point where you're just like, uh, then you get the, the big climax and stuff. And that's where you kind of realize like, oh, this human thing has been happening this whole time. And that connects very strongly. Um, sometimes he does that and it doesn't hit it out of the park for me. And this one did. Okay. So I felt pretty good about that. And, um, I highly recommend it. But like you said, not for everybody. Right. It's probably not a book that everyone is going to appreciate. Sure. Um, it definitely goes to a dark place and specifically a place that might be challenging for parents. Yeah. Does it have, uh, can you, without spoiling, can mm. you tell people if it has like a bleak ending or is there some optimism? You know, it's, it's, sort of a mixture i guess okay. it's kind of a bleak ending that also um i guess it it turns out okay for some characters and not as good for other characters and he does this kind of a lot i think where he's got an ending that it's like well you can kind of see the cycle of how things happen and they get really big and then collapse under their own weight and then the end of the book kind of starts where it's like, but the cycle's sort of just starting to begin again. Okay. So it's kind of like that. Okay. So it's a little bit like, I feel like a lot of horror works that way, sure. right? Um, the, the the evil is dead, or is it? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not like an ending you walk away from, like, with your faith in humanity restored. Okay. But uh, it's not so bleak that you're just like, everything's pointless. <laughs> it's going to take to my bed. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know. Yeah. Okay. I need a, I need a fainting couch for my... Right. <laughs> for, just to recover my wits for a minute. swoon. Yeah. But it, I just think it's highly... Inter- it's like the others. It's highly entertaining. Okay. Um, and I think it's... Uh, if you're willing to go along and trust him for the ride, I think it does pay off. Um, I want to hear about Space Camp. Star Pig? Star Pig. <laughs> <laughs> I said Space Camp knowing that wasn't the title. Not remembering the actual title is more fun. Yeah. <laughs> Space Pig is great. <laughs> All right. Um, or no, I'm sorry. I said Space Pig and I was wrong too. It's Star Pig. Oh, okay. Well, I love that. Yeah. That's okay. I wish it was Space Pig now, to be honest. Yeah. But Star Pig is pretty great. That's fine. <laughs> so, Star Pick is written by Delilah S. Dawson, who has written other kind of graphic novels. I know you're familiar with her. Mm-hmm. And illustrated by Francesco Gaston. 
Um, and the, the art is part of what drew me to it. It's this kind of like 80s retro arcade aesthetic. Yeah. Um, lots of neon pinks and blues and, you know, if you see it, you'll recognize it immediately. Like it's very, it's an iconic look. Feels like that a uh, little bit like that one laser background they had for school pictures. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody at the time was like, Oh my God. Oh, I, this is I have amazing. my own school picture with the lasers. Me too. <laughs> it was like two kids in the entire school didn't have yeah. laser pictures. And, and it was because their parents were like, no, you'll be doing the autumnal scene. <laughs> you're like, Oh, those poor kids. <laughs> yep. They, they, they have problems today. <laughs> They've never recovered. Never recovered. <laughs> uh, so the story is, um, it's like the late 21st century, like 27 something. Um, and the, it's a bunch of teenagers, like I think 15, 16, and they're on a transport on their way to space camp in space because it's 27 something. So space camp is in space. Now is this like, uh, is space camp at this point like in space mundane as like I, it is still considered a thing that nerds do oh great yes okay <laughs> i badly wanted to go to space camp <laughs> uh so one of the fun things about this is that uh like 80s and 90s culture is popular is popular again it's so, like all of these teens are wearing like 80s looking fashions and they have disc men and like <laughs> all of this stuff it's very lots of call outs to you know 80s and 90s pop culture even a little 70s pop culture and um so they're on their way and our main character her name is Vess, and she is you know sitting in her chair and her fellow students are like you have to put your seatbelt on or whatever she's listening to her music and not paying attention so something happens or some kind of an accident and just like in an airplane, all of the oxygen masks like come down off the ceiling, <laughs> you know. But um, there's like a hole blown in the side of the of the transport, and everybody dies except for Vess. So she's flown out, like like thrown out of the of the space transport, and she's about to die. And then all of a sudden, she's swallowed by an enormous tardigrade, <laughs> giant pink tardigrade. Which for people who are unfamiliar with them. They're also called water bears or moss piglets. They're these, like, they actually exist, but they're microscopic. They're very tiny, and they live in, like, drops of water and stuff like that. They're really amazing because they can live in the vacuum of space. They can survive in, like, a hibernation state for hundreds of years. Like, they're incredible. <laughs> so check it, check out tardigrades on They're the very area. cool if you've never heard of them. They're yeah. very cool. They're also very weird looking. They have like yeah. six legs with little claws and their face looks like, it looks kind of horrific. It reminds me of the, not the remake version, but the original on Return of the Jedi and there's the sand pit, yes. the Sarlacc pit. Yes. It's kind of like ringed with teeth. Yes. Going. It's weird. I don't think they really have teeth, but they have that like round mouth yeah. that kind of like expands and opens and it's weird. It kind of extends out a little like the alien mouth. Yeah. But they're not <laughs> they're not scary or mean. They just look a little weird and you know but they're harmless. They're right. perfectly harmless. So she's swallowed by a giant tardigrade, like space Jonah and the whale. <laughs> so, and because tardigrades can survive in the vacuum of space, like it basically swallowed her to save her life. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's sitting in its stomach and, and they're kind of communicating. So it can't talk, but it can like psychically talk to her. Okay. So they're having a conversation and all of a sudden they're, they're caught in like a tractor beam with the ship and this, they're brought on board this other giant space vessel that is being piloted by a sentient cloud of spores. Sure. Yep. <laughs> so it's like a, a fungus cloud. Just slowly like, turning up the weird volume. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so this sentient cloud of spores reminds me a little bit of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh-huh. Um, Benicio Del Toro's character, the Collector. Mm-hmm. This is like this sentient cloud of spores. Okay. He, like everyone else, is obsessed with pop culture of the late 20th century. And he has a giant collection with like artifacts from, you know, Star Wars. It has the, the carbonite Han Solo and it has a perfectly preserved Keanu Reeves. <laughs> like the guy? Yep. Okay. <laughs> they, he had him in like a terrarium and then when he died, he preserved him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. When you die, you'll be perfectly yeah. preserved. And this is his plan for Vess. We find out <laughs> he's like, she's, she's an actual human teen. She's going to be the, like the star of his collection. And when she dies, he'll like put her in like a crystal block or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, So Vess and the tardigrade who she has named Theo are on this, this new um, sentient cloud of spores kind of ship. And as she figures out what the plans are, you know, she and Theo are trying to figure out how to, beat the cloud of spores and escape Mm -hmm. basically. And, uh, you know, it's very short. So that's really all I can say without spoiling things apart from it's definitely over the top wacky. (laughs) You have to just kind of lay back and let it all happen. And uh, it's funny. And the, the look of it is really cool. It has like a trapper keeper, Mm. you know, video game. Like it just looks great. And it has, you know, it's a tardigrade. Like, that's really what brought me to it. I was like, a space tardigrade? Sign me up. Why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty excellent. It's pretty fun. And I think that there's a chance that more issues will be coming. Yeah. Um, this is one that we don't have uh, a physical copy of, but you can get it on Hoopla. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I found we have a lot, a lot of comics on Hoopla we that do. we do not have in print. It's true. But there's a pretty big collection on there. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I feel like this is more findable on Hoopla because I read the physical copy because I bought one because tardigrades. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's very small and thin. So I feel like if it were on the shelf, it would just get wedged between Mm. two larger books and it would never get checked out because no one would ever see it. That can happen. Yeah. That's fair. That sounds pretty excellent. It was so much fun and super fast. I read it in one sitting. It's bizarre in a fun way. Yeah. Twisty, turny. Yeah. Not evil villain. No. But not not the best outcome for the <laughs> hero character if the villain gets what they want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the sentient cloud of spores is not, he's not, you know, an evil character, right. but he's also, like, trying to do bad things. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he he's not human, and he doesn't think like a human, and... <laughs> You know, if there is a sentient cloud of spores that wants a human person, um, I will gladly sign away my remains and mm. just come collect me when I'm dead. Yeah. Give me like a, you know, space phone. Are we broadcasting this into space? Sure. Yeah. I'll okay. put this on a golden record and shoot it into space. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And it's like, hey, if anybody wants a human for their collection, yeah. I cannot vouch for what condition I may be in well, by the time I naturally perish. But If they get the message and rush right over here and you've been dead for 10 years. I know. Yeah. Yeah, or if like if I live for another what would make me pretty old? Sixty years would make me pretty old. Eh. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to pass for an American teen if that's what you're looking yeah. for. <laughs> but you will still be a hundred percent legitimate human. Yeah. So there's always that. If you're looking for American teen, that ship has sailed. Yeah. <laughs> By the time you're hearing this message, you're twenty years too late. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that sounds pretty good. It's fun. Um, uh, both of mine are, are fairly light and substantial, but a really great time. Yeah, I, I went 50-50. One is uh, dark and insubstantial. The other one is dark and substantial. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we're covering the whole spectrum of light then. That's true. That's our, that was known. our theme, our accidental theme. <laughs> like in a restaurant, smoking or non back in the day. Yeah. Now we're like dark or light. Yeah. And it's like, well, kind of just seated somewhere and see what you get. They're really kind of both the smoking section <laughs> when you get right <laughs> down to it. All right. Oh, I had like a, a million dollar idea on that today because I was like, how come uh, they sell, they don't sell like ice cream that's a mix of chocolate and vanilla at different ratios? What do you mean at different ratios? Like, like mostly chocolate, a little bit of vanilla? Yeah, 75, 25, 60, 30. 40, 60. Because that would be very expensive to produce, would be my guess. I guess so. But then do the, you know, see which one people buy and then could just continue one. I think they would do that with market research. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could do it myself with yeah. a blender. Good. But. So are you thinking more like Neapolitan style or are you mixing them together? They're mixed, fully integrated. So it's like you take three scoops of chocolate, one of vanilla mix it all together so it's homogenous, and then that's the flavor. All right, so here's my question. <laughs> that was kind of an exhausted, all right. <laughs> why? Because why not? That's not a good reason. I think it's a great reason. <laughs> okay. I mean, because, like, well, number one, it's a gimmick. And well, it's like, know you love a gimmick. Everything needs a gimmick. <laughs> Everything sells based on a gimmick. I mean, somebody who works at Twix was like, let's designate them left and right. And it's like, well, that really well, doesn't that make any sense. Well, didn't any actual change to the manufacturing process. No. It was just funny. Well, this just involves getting a blender, a big blender. Not if you're talking about, like, national distribution, it doesn't. But if they can make, like, flavors with, you know, puffed potato chip balls in them, certainly. Sure, but the problem is... We are way off course here, but I'm going to finish my <laughs> thought anyway. <laughs> the problem is, say you're doing like 25, 75, 50, 50, 25, yeah. 75. Yeah. Um, that is, so then also assuming you have full vanilla, full chocolate. Yeah. That is like five varieties of chocolate that need to be branded, packaged, sold, shipped, and produced. Yeah. That's very expensive but for something of, that is not that much of a change. Think about this, though. Uh-uh. I could start an ice cream company and have five flavors, but really only have two. I could have a whole line of ice creams, 
But really, I only made two flavors. But nobody's going to buy the ice cream of the this is really just vanilla and chocolate line. Right, the plain ones? Yeah. Well, okay, but then you sell it like in, uh, you know, when you go to like a brewery and they give you a flight. You sell it like in a thing where you get a tiny little of vanilla and a tiny little chocolate on the other end, and in between is all the variation. See, now you're talking about like boutique ice cream shops, which is even more expensive. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It'll, this little flight of ice cream will cost like $40. I'm, I'm, Putting the, I'm putting the kibosh on this. It's happening just in time for Valentine's Day. No, we're, <laughs> That's we're not. That's the plan. We're not discussing this eccentric millionaire idea anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so real quick, just to go yeah. back over the things I brought. Clown versus spiders, which I talked about, yes. which is clowns fighting spiders. <laughs> Hark the Herald Angels Scream is a uh, collection of horror-themed Christmas stories. I actually do not recommend the book as a whole because a bunch of the stories seem like they were just horror stories that someone slapped some Christmas lights on and was like, this is a Christmas story. Lazy. But there's a story called Good Deeds by Jeff Strand, which is a sort of fictionalized account of how the song Christmas Shoes was created. Oh. Um, If you don't know, it's this super depressing Christmas song about a kid who's buying shoes for his mom because she's dying. Yeah. And it's like... It's very Hallmark Channel. It's, like, really sappy and kind of, like... But also, like, tragic. Yes. And you're like, why do people want to feel like this? Yeah. So anyway, in this version of the story, the guy writes this song that he thinks is a... Like, he doesn't get it. He thinks it's just a perfectly nice song, this nice story and whatever. And it makes people um, sort of, like, supernaturally, unbelievably depressed. And so, like, you know, he plays it at an open mic, and people are, like, um, desperately trying to escape, and then, you know, horribly depressed after hearing the song, and it basically escalates into creating a sort of anarchic situation in the city, (laughs) because it shows up on the radio, you know, and, like, and the whole time the guy's like, I don't get it, I was just trying to write a nice song about Christmas. (laughs) Um, So I don't recommend the book. But that story in particular right. is totally worth it. Totally worth your time. And hey, we're headed into the holiday season, so the timing's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Greatest Zombie Movie Ever by Jeff Strand is kind of, it's probably in the teen book area, and okay. I don't read a lot of teen books. Um, it's about a bunch of kids who love horror movies, and they're trying to make their own. Um, I kind of just wanted to bring this one in because this one falls into the category of uh, guy books. You know, as I say, with like air quotes, I think there's like, there's a lot of uh, teen books that appeal to, I think, stereotypical teenage girls, you know, sad girl in pretty dresses stuff, um, all that. Maybe not as much that appeals to like a more stereotypical teen boy. And this is one that I think would appeal to. So if you have like a teenage boy in your life who's very typical teen boy and doesn't take things very seriously, and has kind of a uh, juvenile sense of humor sometimes, and that kind of thing, this might be a book he would actually read. All right. um, And enjoy. And then there was The uh, Invention of Sound by Chuck Palahniuk, which is a really heavy book that's kind of got uh, some scary real-life elements to it. Yeah. I don't know why I'm recommending it, but 
I just thought it was great. Well, I it guess. works for some people. Like some... It does. The important part is knowing where you fall on the spectrum. Yeah. Definitely, if you're somewhat dead inside, you'll be fine. <laughs> you know, maybe this will make you feel feelings again. Oh. <laughs> not speak. This is, I'm talking about how a friend of mine feels, not me. Right, of course. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my four. We discussed Star Pig by Delilah S. Dawson, illustrated by Francesco Gaston, which is super fun, kind of retro arcade sci-fi comedy. Good times. Then uh, I also brought World of Wonders by Amy Nezukumatatil, I think. <laughs> These are um, short kind of meditative essays with some biographical stuff mixed in. Lots of um, lots of different pieces of nature, everything from like monsoons to peacocks to dragon fruit, axolotls, corpse flowers, narwhals, you know, wonders of nature. And they, she kind of ties them into her own life. It's really kind of nice, short, short chapters. So if you're looking for something to read a little bit of before bed, this is perfect. Then Boy Meets Girl by Meg Cabot. This is my rom-com that we discussed. Super fun and fluffy. And finally, The Tubman Command by Elizabeth Cobbs. This is about Harriet Tubman, and a lot of Harriet Tubman books cover her like younger life, growing up as an enslaved person, and then running, and then working on the Underground Railroad. This is the only book I'm aware of that really focuses on her military time, when she was uh, helping the military, when she was leading military scouts. She actually, this was about um, the the uh, attack up the Comahee River where they freed hundreds of slaves and destroyed a bunch of rice fields to kind of strike a blow against the Confederacy. Hmm. And she was the first black woman to actually serve in the military. So it's really like a pivotal time in American history, really good uh, written by historians. So even though it's very grounded in actual historical events, she fictionalized it. So we get to Imagine what Harriet Tubman might have been feeling, you know, things that may have happened, but we don't have any proof to happen. So it still reads very much like fiction, but the events are very historic. As uh, a great man said, fiction is the lie that tells the truth truer. Exactly. That sounds good. It's great. I, like... I really liked it. I read that for my book club and we all quite enjoyed it. It's kind of a weird comparison, but I feel like a lot of memoirs by comedians or celebrities start off like with their birth yeah and go through all that stuff and sometimes i'm like you know i don't know if, if the part this where you're wasn't famous. super remarkable yeah like <laughs> yeah okay you were born to parents in indiana who were middle class and yeah that's well, to about be fair, it harriet tubman's life was quite astonishing yeah but well, it's like beginning to end <laughs> it's certainly been covered a lot yes it has so it's like oh well this is kind of an interesting portion that yeah. i feel like i haven't heard as much about well and anybody who saw the movie harriet uh, mm -hmm. with cynthia arrivo this picks up kind of right after that ends ah, so okay. if you found that intriguing and you want to know more this would be a great place to to step in and kind of learn what she did after all of that it's a good idea yeah all right we did it yay okay Everyone's homework is to check out one of these books <laughs> and buy chocolate and vanilla ice cream and Don't mix them that. together at a specific ratio and then tell us which ratios are the best. Uh, um, I mean, if you want to do that, I'm not going to stop you. Mixing your own ice creams, I think, is fine. <laughs> you, you don't have as much of a moral it's opposition not. to... 
it's just people doing practical, this in their dear. own home. It's just not practical. It's just not practical. <laughs> Ice cream isn't practical. No, but it is essential. You know what's not practical? Sprinkles. You know what's great? Sprinkles. I do love sprinkles. Ha-ha! <laughs> sprinkles do bring joy. All right, we have to end this now before before you think of something else that's smarter than this idea <laughs> that attacks this idea. All right. Goodbye, okay, goodbye. See you next time. See you next time for the top ten. Yeah, stay tuned. Don't just sit here and wait. <laughs> It'll be like a month, but it's coming. It's coming. We're working on it. All right, goodbye. Bye.